Welcome to From Ashes to Beauty with John Ortberg. Each day, Monday through Friday, you'll find 10 minutes of relevant spiritual guidance on the kind of people we are becoming. Follow us on YouTube at becomenew.me or receive daily text alerts when a new episode is published by texting the word BECOME to the number 56525. Invite a friend to listen along by sharing this podcast or sharing the link becomenew.me. We're glad you're here. And now, here's John. Well, this is a day and a place and a moment of such extraordinary beauty. I just had to film this right now and show it to you. I'm not enough of a videographer to know if the light works right. Hopefully, it won't be too harsh. Uh, if you hear a slight droning sound right now, it's because there's tons of bees. There's lots of rosemary right there. If you hear a loud sound, it will be me screaming because I got stung. But we're on this journey from ashes, from repentance, beginning Ash Wednesday, to beauty. And we are now into Holy Week and the beauty of God and the beauty of God's self-sacrificing love. And we want to immerse ourselves in this, this long journey where I recognize I can't do it, but there's one that can, and I surrender my life to him. We do this in community. And, and now today we begin this step where we focus on our minds. And I try to improve my awareness, my conscious contact with God through prayer and meditation, asking just for knowledge of God's will and the power to carry his will out. And beauty is a very important thing. A friend of mine used to say, the beauty is goodness made manifest to the senses because it reminds me, it gets past all my defenses, that there is goodness, that there is transcendent meaning and purpose, that God is real. And we wonder about that sometimes. I'm so grateful so many of you sent in terrific questions, and we'll talk about some of those during this week, during Holy Week. But I want to mention one particular today. Somebody wrote, why does God write with such squiggly lines? Why can't God be clearer? Why is it that people in life so often seem to be broken and enigmatic? And there was a uh, statement by a man named Meister Eckhart, follower of Jesus, who lived many, many centuries ago, that I dearly love. He said one time that God is like a person who clears his throat while he is hiding and so gives himself away. God lies in wait for us with nothing so much as love. And so we look and so we listen and over and over again in moments of beauty, in moments of pain, in moments of connection, in moments when we are alone, in moments of purpose, in darkness and in light, there's God clearing his throat. God is present. Now, we wonder sometimes, why does he do that? Why can't he be clear? Why can't he just make his presence real and obvious to everybody? And lots of very wise people have written about this, that it's kind of a tricky thing for God when you think about it, because he wants to be in a relationship with us where we freely choose him, where we're not coerced, where we don't grudgingly give ourselves to him. It's a little bit like if there's a police squad car following behind you, you are not free to express yourself fully as a driver. Now, of course, nobody really cares about you expressing your heart fully as a driver, but we care about that in relationships with people. And so God is in a position where he needs to let us know enough about himself so that we can choose him and yet give us enough freedom, give us enough space, give us enough room, give us, if you will, enough ambiguity so that we can choose to reject him if we want to. 
Blaise Pascal, the French mathematician and philosopher, was talking about this, and he has a wonderful statement. He says, with God, there is enough light for everyone who desires only to see and enough darkness for those of a contrary disposition. And so we listen. There is God clearing his throat. And I want to talk to you a little bit about, as you walk through your day-to-day, how do you listen for God to clear his throat? How do you stay awake and alert and sharp enough to notice in moments of quiet or moments of busyness or moments of beauty or moments of darkness? There is the presence of the one who ultimately reveals himself in such a hidden, obscure, squiggly line, clear your throat way on a cross. I mentioned at the start of this whole season, the story of the man with the withered hand and that a friend of mine, Paul Rhodes, gave a talk about that in Ethiopia many decades ago now. When we both went to Ethiopia for that talk, it was still under a Marxist regime and the little group of underground church leaders that invited us to come asked if we would bring these great big study Bibles, these NIV study Bibles. And so we each asked folks at our church to give uh, 25 of these great big study Bibles. This is way before there was internet access or so. And right as I was leaving my church to go, one more person came up. So I actually had 26 NIV study Bibles. I brought them in my luggage and we had to get past the Marxist customs officials. I had never smuggled Bibles before. I missed the class on smuggling when I went to seminary. And so I was a little nervous about this and we both made it back to the compound, but one of the suitcases was kept behind. And the Marxist official at the airport in charge of customs contacted the head of our little compound and said, you know, we have confiscated this contraband and I need to talk with you. And so the head of our compound wasn't super nervous about it, but he understood it was most likely going to be a situation where we would have to bribe them to get the Bibles out. And he went into the man's office and the man closed the door and said to the head of our little group, so we have these uh, Bibles and, you know, it's illegal to bring them into the country. And our leader said yes, and the customs said, I will let you have them on one condition, and that is that you allow me to keep one myself. And so that extra NIV study Bible that I got before I left to get on the plane ended up in the hands of a Marxist customs official in Ethiopia. And that sound you hear is God clearing his throat. I think about my friend Chuck, Chuck of the Fifth, hallelujah. We went to college together, and there was a night when uh, he asked me to come over to his dorm room. And uh, he was going through a crisis of faith where it's not just that he doubted that there was a God, but he knew for those few moments that there was no God. He just moments of utter despair. And part of what he said to God is, uh, God, I need something from you to let me know that you are there. I need to hear from my mom. Chuck's mom was a formidable force, just a remarkable human being. And that night, Chuck got a phone call, and that was his mom. And that sound you hear is God clearing his throat. I think about uh, the morning when my dad died, and we were gathered around his bed, and I was reciting this psalm, Psalm 121, and it has a long history in our family. There's somebody else that we love dearly who wrote a song about it, who passed away quite a long time ago. And as I got to the final lines of Psalm 121, the Lord will watch over your life. He will watch over 
your coming and your going. That's an expression for all of life. And as I said those words, my dad breathed out and he never breathed back in. The Lord will watch over your coming and your going both now and forevermore. And that little sound you hear is God clearing your throat. God who writes with squiggly lines. Now, I know that sometimes people can tell what are kind of weird God stories that become artificial or contrived or feel forced. And uh, I don't know about you. I am never drawn to those. But sometimes in my eagerness to stay away from those, to never be gullible, I can forget to listen to the God who clears his throat. And it does not have to be in dramatic ways. Usually it's not. Usually it's in very quiet, small waves. Frederick Buechner said one time, listen to your life. Consider the fathomless mystery that it is. Listen to your life in the boredom and the pain, as well as in the joy and the excitement. Because in the last analysis, all moments are key moments, and life itself is grace. God, a long time ago, spoke to a little boy named Samuel, and Samuel did not recognize that it was God's voice, and he went to Eli, and finally, and and Eli said, next time you hear that, then just say, speak, Lord, your servant listens. And Eli taught little Samuel how to hear the voice of God, how to recognize when it is that God is clearing his throat. So today, walk through the day and listen for God to clear his throat. Listen for it in the hum of bees and the miracle of the way that creation works. Listen for it in the beauty that is around you, in the birth of a child, in the smile of a coworker, in the touch of somebody that you love, in the mystery that it is to go to sleep at night, in the mystery that it is to be resurrected and wake up again the next day, in the goodness of food and of sunshine. All of these are not neutral things. They are not part of a cosmic machine. They are gifts of God. They are God clearing his throat. A friend of mine, Pastor Herman Hamilton, was talking about uh, how recently Tim Keller, this remarkable preacher and mind, has written in The Atlantic. He's been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, and he says death is not far away. And part of what he is coming to realize in this season is that for so much of his life, he was constantly looking over at the horizon at the moment that was going to come to prepare for that. He said even when he and his wife Kathy would go on vacation, they would get away from work so that they could do more work to get ready for the work that was yet to come. And what's happening now in the awareness of the fact that these moments in this earthly life are very limited is the recognition that the place where God is present is here right now. Not in an hour, not in a day, not in a year. This place is the place of God's goodness. This moment is the time of God's presence. This sound, this sight, this taste, this touch is God clearing his throat. So listen for him today, lest you and I do that. And I will see you tomorrow.